Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast with me, Gary McGowan, and my co-host, Mr. Patrick Farrell. Today is Sunday, the 5th of April. So this will be coming out on the Monday. This is the Monday episode, and that means that we're going to be discussing a kind of big picture topic. Okay, This is hopefully going to be the introduction to a couple of episodes that will follow with some uh, more specific considerations and hopefully guests so you can be looking forward to that but for today you're stuck with myself and patrick and we're going to be discussing nutrition for sports yeah so this like this is one of the things or one of the areas that people just don't get good information in purely because obviously a lot of the health and fitness information that goes out is basically for weight loss you know it's all geared towards people looking to lose fat right and that's obviously dictated by the market because there's more people that are looking for that versus people that are looking for sporting information. And I don't mean that, that there are more quote unquote fat people than sporting people. Um, I just mean that if you are engaged in sports, I mean, you've probably got some sort of nutritional education or, you know, you've never had to think about it because, you know, you do five hours of sports per week and that keeps you in a relatively trim position, you know? Um, so the, the information put out for sports in regards to nutrition is quite poor in general. Um, but that's not to say that the information out there is poor, right? You just have to look for it a bit more. And it's generally not a population that is catered to by, we'll call it generic uh, information on nutrition, right? So you can kind of be left lost thinking, about your nutrition, how to set up your nutrition if you are engaged in sports. So we're going to just discuss it on this podcast, but obviously do realize that this is a very generic podcast on nutrition for sports. You know, like I'm saying sports, that encompasses so many different sports, you know, um, and obviously not all sports are the same. They don't use the same energy systems. They don't use, have the same goals. You know, you might be a strength, strength and power athlete who, you know, your goal is to get as big as humanly possible because that correlates with success in your sport. And you might also be, or sorry, I should say, and, you know, or you might also be a endurance athlete who, you know, getting down as light as humanly possible while still having good performance, that's probably going to correlate with, you know, better success in your sport, you know? So there's obviously a huge, huge range of goals that you can be looking for. And that obviously dictates how you set up and approach your nutrition on a specific level, right? So we're not going to get into the specifics, specifics here, right? So if you are, I don't know, a GA athlete, if you are a, a combat athlete, you know, we're not going to deal with the, the, minutia the nitty-gritty the specifics for your sport right now right however listening to this podcast you should get a good overview in terms of how you should maybe conceptualize how you should think about setting up your nutrition how you should we'll call it periodize your nutrition across the year um with with uh respect to your sporting goals but also you know your health goals and your maybe body composition goals you know because even if you're engaged in the sport that doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have body composition goals you know like i have guy athletes um that i train and you know we still do stuff like curls and tricep extensions and stuff because they want to have bigger arms you know like they're not just oh i do i, I play sports so uh all of those aesthetic considerations are just gone. I don't care about them. You know, that's just not the case. You know, people like to generally look good or whatever you want to classify it as. And like they want to look a certain way and that's perfectly fine. So 
as a result, you know, your nutrition may be geared a little bit towards that, you know? And this brings us to the first thing that I want to discuss, and that is actually effectively setting your goals, right? We've talked about it before. We've talked about it multiple times in terms of whenever you look to set something up, you have to be clear on your goals, right? Like you can't be, uh, you can't, you literally can't ride two horses with one ass, you know? Um, so if you are saying, oh, I want to be uh, as big as humanly possible, you know, I want to be a, a bodybuilder, but, you know, I also want to play ga, you know, but I also kind of want to dabble in powerlifting, but I also want to look great on the beach, you know? It's like, you, like you're trying to accomplish so many things that are potentially at some points antagonistic to the other thing, you know? Like you're never going to be as big as you humanly can be if you are always focused on staying as lean as possible, you know? And you're likely not going to be as good as your, at your sport as you could be if you're also, you know, putting in four, five, six, ten hours per week doing powerlifting style training, you know, where you're then coming into your sessions, like we'll call it neurologically fatigued, you know? So like you have to be very specific in what your goals are and what you're trying to achieve. And that, that could be like that very easily could be where you're like, you know, I want to be quite good at powerlifting. I want to be quite good at, you know, my gas stuff. And, but my main focus is on looking a certain way. You know, you're like, I like the style of training for powerlifting. I like lifting heavy weights and whatever else. And I really like the camaraderie. I like the, the community aspects of, you know, God and it keeps me fit and, you know, whatever. But my main goal is to look a certain way, you know, and that's fine. If you do have multiple goals, you just have to kind of categorize them and realize that there are trade-offs and potentially you're not going to be as good as you could be in one or the other of those goals because you have all these trade-offs, you know? And once you're clear with that, then that's fine. We're all on the same page, you know? We can go, all right, because this is your goal, we're going to focus on this, and that means that X, Y, and Z are going to be affected, you know? And you go, are you okay with that? Once you're okay with that, then we can commence, right? But you have to do that at an individual level. You have to do that. If you have a coach, they should you know, probably be doing it with you and making sure we're clear on your actual goals. And but that's that's the starting place starting place with all of this stuff if we're not clear on the exact goals then what are you planning for you're just like you're just putting together a plan that isn't actually cohesive it's not leading you somewhere you know so that's the first thing then with that we also have to be clear in terms of where we are in relation to your goals you know if you want to be 6% body fat like where are you right now are you 20% body fat because that's obviously a different approach than if we are, you know, 8% body fat and you want to just drop down 2%, you know, and obviously 6% is very lean, but you know, you get the point what I'm saying, you know, we have to look at where you are and then look at where you want to be, you know, and then how does that correlate with what you're trying to achieve with your sport, you know, and with your other goals potentially, you know, um, and then we have to look at where you are in relation to the overall season, the overall, you know, competitive block of training that you're in and um, you know if we're in the start of an off season and it goes on for six months you know like most off seasons don't go on that long but we'll just say for example six months you know that's a completely different position than if you are you know a week out from starting the, the competitive season you know so where you are in the the whole com competitive block that is going to dictate how we set things up and what our focus is currently you know 
Um, so you have to be very clear on what we're actually trying to achieve overall, where we are right now in terms of relation to that actual end goal, and then also where we are Again, we're talking about sports here. So where we are in relation to your actual sporting activities, you know, and this is especially important for those multi-sport athletes, you know, or we'll call it multi-competitive um, season athletes. You know, for example, you might be a GAA player and you might play for a club and county or a club and college or something like that, you know. So th those seasons might not necessarily end at the same time you know you could be playing one longer into it especially with gaff like it seems to go on like all the time <laughs> you know and um, like obviously that's not the case but you know it, it does seem to drag on for some people while other people are finished for the last four months you know and so you you have to look at you as a specific individual and where we are in relation to your overall goals and the overall season so gary goal setting on that do you have anything else to add to that while well, i take a sip of this coffee yeah, so for our international listeners, the, when Paddy says GA, he means GAA, which is the Gaelic Athletics Association, which here in Ireland is com comprised of three sports, technically, well, four kind of. So you've got football, Gaelic football, so you've got, ma you've got male and you've got your ladies, you know. Then you've got hurling and camogie. Okay, so that's where things get confusing because the female version of hurling is called camogie. And then you've actually got handball as well. So that's also a Gaelic sport. So respect to any of our Gaelic handball players uh, out there listening. So yeah, for the uh, international listeners, if we say ga, yeah, that's what we mean. Um, look up videos of, of the sports if you've never seen them. Hurling is particularly impressive. It's actually... We also very... have to add in the, the unofficial other sport in that, which is, you know, hand-to-hand -hand combat, because that's a, that's a serious part of all of those sports, you know? <laughs> very uh, true. So you have to add that in, you know? Yeah, there you go. So. Uh, that's the GA intro to the GA 101 with triage method. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with your, your points there. And, and it's funny, it's funny the way these things can differ sometimes between sports. And, and that's why I think it is important that you take away principles from this podcast rather than like the specifics for your sport, because one example of this would be, all right, I've got I have one of my clients at the moment. Um, he's a player on the carry panel. Um, so at the moment, right, we're obviously in a period of time where we're, not training you know the ga is basically off you know there's no training going on there's no games etc so right now actually gives us a really good time to introduce a period of dieting so we're actually able to pull off body fat and use this as our kind of body composition focused uh, period of time whereas we had been actually planning to basically maintain or maybe even be in a slight surplus with a performance focus with nutrition um, leading up to the more intense part of the season. So um, you have to consider like what, what the period of time of training um, actually is. And, and typically when you're looking at a kind of a performance athlete like that in team sports, the way that I would generally conceptualize that kind of nutritional periodization, and this is just for an example, um, is that basically what we might do is in the off season, um, depending on the person's body composition, we might be concerned with um, either pulling body fat back or maybe focusing really on gaining muscle. So obviously it depends on the athlete. Um, and then you're actually focused more on just fueling performance during the competitive season. Whereas if you contrast that with people who are often involved in um, combat sports, very often what they will do is they'll just let their body weight kind of drift up when they're not competing at all. And then it's that it's a really intense pre-fight um, weight cut. A lot of the time, you know, the merits of which are questionable. Um, but a lot of the time people are losing very large percentages um, of their body weight through 
multiple different compartments. So your body fat and glycogen, water cutting, etc. Um, and they're, they're actually introducing that at the time when their training is probably most intense. So you can see that there are even between sports, there are very big differences in the way that people approach that. And that, that can also be seen in powerlifting at times. Sometimes people will engage in a drastic weight cut prior to powerlifting. Um, again, of questionable merit because that can compromise one's performance again. So you can see how this stuff does vary between sports. Yeah, 100%. Right. So I reckon we get into this um, with the caveat that you as the listener listening to this um, or viewing this on YouTube, um, you're going to have to look at this as a big picture thing and then apply it to your specific situation, your specific sport, the demands of your sport, you know, where you are in the competitive season, where you are in relation to your goals, all of that stuff, right? So think of this as the bigger picture and then you as the individual need to align that and align the practices with your unique circumstances, you know? All right. So with that edited away, when we're looking at designing our goal and then designing our nutrition around that, you know, there are generally, I don't know what you'd call them. There's generally standards in terms of, um, idealized body composition goals or body compositions, um, for different sports. You know, and obviously we touched on a few of them there at the start of it. You know, if you are an endurance athlete, you know, being a little bit lighter is generally going to lead to better performance, right? So that would make you look at yourself and look at, you know, your competitive season and all that kind of stuff and say, okay, where am I in relation to that? Oh, I have extra body fat to lose. You know, maybe you then have to set up your nutrition, your, even your training perhaps to, look into achieving that goal right so effectively what i'm saying is you know you need to look at the standards of your sport you know so if all the individuals in your sport are super shredded and you're not you know and you play the same position as them or you play the exact same sport as them or you're in the same weight category as them or whatever it is then you have to look at whether that is like your, your current body composition is appropriate for your goals, you know? And that's not to say that you need, you necessarily need to get to that level of leanness that everyone else is at in your sport, I would say, whatever, you know? That's not necessarily to say that. Like you might have a different game than them in terms of you might be slightly, uh, have a slightly higher body fat percentage, but even if you're uh, a field sport athlete, but that's because you play a more, you know, defensive role, we'll say, and like being a little bit bigger, perhaps, you know, is a, is a, a benefit to you, you know, or again, in like a combat sport perspective, you might be like, all right, I'm willing to trade off perhaps some of the, the cardiovascular benefits of being a little bit lighter and, um, you know, being, having a little bit less body fat um, for the fact that, you know, I can hit a little bit harder. Uh, I'm a bit stronger at this, you know, heavier body weight you know from body fat you know and um, so you, you're going to need to look at those individuals around you in the same sport in the same position in the same weight category whatever it is you know again the individual sport and then you're going to need to compare yourself to them now there are also it's not just like oh uh, here's the best player in this sport and he seems to be you know very lean you know whereas the rest of the individuals in the sport are not very lean you know people will do that with like say american football or something they'll look at the outlier 
who everyone else is this like, you know, 300 pound uh, line man, you know, and they find the one individual that's like, oh, look at him. Everyone else has like super high body fat, but this one individual has, you know, really low body fat and really high muscle. So I'm going to go for this idealized uh, version, you know, rather than looking at the, the general consensus. You know, if the general consensus is everyone has 30% body fat in your sport, in your position, whatever it is, and you just pick the outlier that has, you know, 12% body fat because you like the look of their physique. <laughs> you like, you know, the aesthetics of it. That's, that's not a correct goal set you know like unless you are a genetic freak which you know you're probably not they they're genetic freaks they're outliers for a reason because they're such a small small percentage of the population you know so if if that's the case that you are then yeah use them as an idealized example and be like yeah i want to get as close to that as possible you know but if you're the normal average person then you're probably going to have to go for the normal average physique you know uh, body composition um, strength, whatever, all those kind of things, the standards um, of the same position that you're in, you know? So don't just go for these idealized, you know, look. Like they'll do it again, like rugby and stuff. They'll like pick like, I don't know, Sonny Bill Williams or something, you know? And it's like, oh, great physique, you know, he's really athletic, really like aesthetically pleasing, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, well, the majority of rugby players aren't like that, even in his position, you know? So you, you have to, you know, kind of put the, put the the right glasses on and look at this you know objectively and be like yeah okay cool it would be great to look like that you know but the vast majority of the the people in this position or people in this sport don't look like that and there's probably a reason for that you know um no yeah, that's not to say that if all these other individuals improve their body composition they wouldn't be better that could be the case as well however you know especially if you're looking at paid sports you know, that's probably not the, the case, you know, they're probably, there's probably a reason they look and weigh and all that kind of stuff, have the body composition that they have, you know, there's reason for it, you know? Um, so you have to be very clear on your goals and you have to be very non, you know, you have to be basically, you have to be objective. You have to be like, look, yeah, I'd love to look like that or I'd love to perform like that, but that individual is an outlier, you know, they're, they're not the, the normal you know? Um, so I have to have clear, like very clear goals. Right. And then you have to layer it on top of like your unique, you know, game, style of game, style of play, all that kind of stuff. Like, again, like you, maybe you, everyone else is super shredded, but you like having a little bit more body fat because, you know, I don't know, it gives you some cushioning. You know, maybe you are a, a combat athlete and you're like, yeah, I could probably lose whatever, 10 kilos, drop a weight class. I know you lower weight class guys like you, Gary, uh, you have like weight classes every two kilos or something. So it's not a big deal, but like the actual human weight classes, you know, the above 90 kilos, um, they're literally like, here's 20 kilo jumps, you know? So you might be like, oh yeah, look, having a, a 10 kilo weight loss might be beneficial. Um, but I like having a little bit more padding. I like having a little bit more cushioning for like, you know, punches or, you know, kicks or whatever, you know, it's like you, you feel better, even if you're willing, you have to be willing to trade off or have willing for the trade-offs um, for that, you know, so you have to be very specific. That's basically what I'm trying to say. You have to be very specific and you have to look at it objectively, right? And not just looking at individuals, right? And 
what I mean by that is not just going like, oh yeah, I'll look at all these sports and look at their body composition, look at their performance. And, you know, on an individual level, like you're just doing it. There are also studies on this. Generally, you know, sports scientists and the like are also interested in this. Like they're giving recommendations for athletes, you know? So they are generally measuring body fat percentages of their athletes. They are generally like, you know, doing DEXA scans, getting an, uh, an average of muscle mass, you know? They're also doing like strength testing. They're doing all those kind of things, you know? So there are studies on it, and maybe not on all sports, but there are a lot of studies in terms of where your performance should be and where your body composition should be. And by performance, I don't mean like on the field performance or your sporting performance, like obviously that should be at the fucking top if that's your goal, you know, that's your sport. But I mean like performance metrics in the gym, you know, like where should your resting heart rate be? Where should, you know, your, I know, bench press strength should be and all that kind of stuff. And again, that's not to say that they're perfect, you know, correlates and they're perfect exercises for you, but it does give you an indication of potentially where there is a deficit in your performance in regards to other individuals. And that could be a body composition thing. That could be a gym performance thing. That could be any number of things, right? So you need to look at individuals, like literally just visually or, you know, look up their stats and whatever online. And then you also need to refer back to the studies that are potentially done in your sport, you know? And from that, then you can get a better picture of where you should be going with your overall goal like where you should be setting your goal so if you want to get out to that gary and then we'll if not we'll get into the uh the actual somewhat specifics in this generalized context um no not much said basically take on point there is uh people need to think about their goal yeah it's dead right gary you're a great great input um right so then once you've got that clear and you're like okay i, I know exactly where i should be in relation to other individuals, both, you know, my peers and also like the, the higher level athletes, you know, um, and you're like, I want to push forward with my goals in this, you know, I want to be, I know the best midfielder that I can be, you know? So you're like, that's, I've, that's my goal. I've, I've set that, you know, I want to have a bit bigger arms. That's fine. You know, that's cool. I don't add that onto the goals, whatever. Right. Um, so you've set your goal, you've, you've done all the stuff, you've been objective, you've looked at the studies, you've looked at other individuals, you're like, there, it's all set, right? Now, how do we go about that? Again, the, the thing to do is look at where you are currently in relation to that. Now, talking about it from a body composition, this is probably the easiest and um, because the performance metrics and stuff, like the, the strength level or the fitness level and all that kind of stuff, that's obviously a training thing that we need to do. You know, now obviously we can nutritionally support that and we'll talk about you know nutritionally supporting performance later on in this um and you can obviously you know maybe pr improve performance by virtue of losing weight for example you know you might just be able to move faster if you weigh less you know you're just even if you kept the st same strength and you just had to move 10 less kilos you know you're going to move faster you know um so you need to look at where you are and then where this this goal actually is right so again that could be body fat that could be performance could be whatever well let's deal with the the body composition stuff now because this is probably the well second biggest thing that we're looking at nutrition to support in terms of sporting performance right we're using nutrition to move the needle towards better body composition in the hopes that that leads to well better health first of all but then also better performance down the line 
you know again this could just be a virtue by virtue of losing body fat but it could also be by virtue of you know gaining muscle right so there's obviously a body composition deficit or perhaps there isn't but there, if there isn't then we're not going to have this discussion <laughs> you know um, so there's obviously a body composition deficit whether that's again you need to uh, lose some weight or you need to gain some weight or again, you need to gain some muscle or whatever it is, you know, perhaps even lose some muscle. I don't know. There's probably sports out there. Again, like maybe you used to be a powerlifter and now you're doing endurance stuff. Maybe you need to lose some muscle, you know, um, either way, we need to change your body composition. So with that in mind, the same, same protocols have to go in place that would go in place if we were trying to change your body composition just for a general population person right? Um, they're the exact same principles, right? However, what we have to factor in is the performance aspect, right? So the same principles, the same calories matter, protein matters, carbs matter, fat matters, fiber, you know, water intake, all of that stuff, literally no change, right? In the recommendations, the, the general recommendations. However, what we have to be more aware of is performance right like for a, a general population individual you know we could say oh yeah you want to lose one percent of your body weight per week you know and that's fine this individual isn't going to notice any real huge energy deficits any real uh drop in performance anything like that uh, well they shouldn't anyway you know um but if you try to lose like say one percent of your body weight per week as a sporting athlete you know you could potentially notice a pretty severe drop in performance uh drop in motivation drop in energy levels drop in like everything related to you know increasing your performance on the field especially if you are you know doing multiple training sessions what i mean by that is you know you're doing like we'll say just take as an example maybe you're doing two or three training sessions per week with your team and we'll just say Monday, Wednesday, Friday, right? And then you have a game on Saturday, right? Or Sunday, whatever, you know? And you're doing that. So you're training four times per week, well, including the game with your team. And then maybe on top of that, you're doing three sessions in the gym, you know? Maybe two sessions in the gym, you know? And so because you're training so much, yeah, you can probably get away with higher calories and you can probably, you know, notice a pretty good drop in weight week on week because your, your training volume is so high and you're putting a lot of output, you know, um, and you can just drop your input in terms of calories and see a great return on investment very quickly, you know, and that can be very beneficial, especially at the start where you're like, boom, man, I lost two kilos that first week. It was great. It's too easy. Like I didn't even feel the calorie drop, you know, energy level was good. However, what you're going to notice, especially if you are trying to keep your performance high, if you are really pushing the envelope with fat loss, with body weight loss, you know, you're going to notice that in your energy levels quite quickly within a week, two weeks, three weeks, you know, again, the first week you might be like, that was the easiest thing ever, you know, like there was no, you know, there was, there was no hassle to it, you know, but you're going to notice that the further you go into that, the lower your energy, the lower your motivation, the lower your performance is going to get, you know? So with that in mind, generally what I would suggest to individuals, now obviously this depends on where we are in the season. I'm just giving you a, a generic, you know, recommendation here. But I would effectively look at half the 
weight loss goal that we would give to a general population individual you know so if we're saying one percent per week is our general recommendation we'll say half a percent per week you know of body weight is our general recommendation so again if you weigh 100 kilos and the general recommendation is drop a kilo per week you know for you as a sporting individual we're now looking at dropping half a kilo per week you know and that's just running a meal generic that takes no account of where we are in the season anything like that right so that's the first thing we need to keep in mind that to keep performance higher we're going to need to keep calories higher we're going to need to keep the energy in higher right and as a result we're going to have to have lower expectations for our rate of fat loss you know or rate of body composition change like negatively you know so that's the first thing to keep in mind right now the next thing to keep in mind is there are probably better times during your competitive season to focus on certain goals right so if we're just saying the generic like i want to tell everyone in the world right look we're going to go for half the rate of fat loss that we'd normally give someone you know that's not necessarily true if we have a period of time where you know we're not training our sport you know you might have a complete off season you know you might have three months like i was saying earlier on we're uh, all the sports effectively are off right now you know so if you've been putting it on the long finger putting it off you know to try to change your body composition this could be the perfect time to go about doing that because you're not going to notice a performance thing decrease because you're not performing you know you're not you're not doing the sport you know so you could afford to spend more time focusing on your body composition because you don't have to care as much about the performance aspect of things you know the day-to-day performance aspect of things like obviously you care about the the long-term performance aspects you know but if you have a a three-month four-month you know uh block of time that you have that you're like i can focus on my body composition now this is the off season then that would be the perfect time to focus on it you know so you you end the season maybe you do give yourself you know a week two weeks of more you know lower intensity stuff you're still focusing on eating a a maintenance level of calories because you know you want to effectively recover from a hard season presumably you know presumably you've been training hard presumably you've been competing hard all the way till the end of the season you know and then you want to like effectively deload or whatever you want to call it for a week or two at the end of that and then from that we can just transition into an energy deficit and really focus on dropping off body fat that potentially has accumulated across the season but also potentially just has accumulated across your your lifetime you know and we just want to drop it off so that by the time we get back into our competitive season you know we'll say september or whatever it is you know you're in a much better position body composition wise to actually you know perform at your best right so there are going to be times where you can focus on a goal more effectively than other times right and as a result of that because your focus has shifted you effectively can go to the normal recommendations you know like if you have four months off and you're like i want to lose some body fat and i don't have my sport to worry about at this time like yeah i still want to have you know some some stuff i still want to you know kick a ball around outside you know maybe just keep things ticking along in terms of my my fitness and all that kind of stuff and um, but i have four months off 
and maybe then you can focus a little bit more aggressively on your body composition so that as it comes closer to being back in season or being in season you can then focus more back on the performance side of things you know as we as we always say there's effectively three goals you can have you can have health goals you can have body composition goals and you can have performance goals you know obviously the hitting the trifecta there and having a, a program designed to get you all three of those would be great you know but what that actually looks like in terms of over a year, you know, there might be sections of the year where you're focusing on one or more of those goals more than the others, you know? So, you know, in the run up to your holiday, perhaps as a general population, you might be like, I actually, you know, care a bit more about my body composition. I don't really care about my performance per se. Again, talking about general population, you're not really caring about your, your bench press. It's like, yeah, if it goes up, it goes up. But really I just care about, you know, having a six pack on the beach. You know, and that kind of has is the same mentality you need to have in terms of your sporting performance where, yeah, okay, maybe it's not like the six pack on the beach that you care about. Maybe that is something you care about, but you know, uh, you, your focus is on, okay, during my off season, I'm going to focus on um, improving my body composition because I know that that's going to lead to a better performance increase across the season itself, you know, and that's just from a fat loss perspective. However, that isn't the only goal that you could have with your nutrition, with your, your training, with your periodization, whatever you want to call it, um, in terms of your off-season. Like you might do a, a sport, again, like we'll say rugby, where you, know, you might actually lose body size across the season. You might actually lose muscle strength and muscle size across the season. You might actually be in a position where you, know, you start the season, you're 100 kilos, you're feeling strong, you're feeling fit, you're feeling all those kind of things. And you know, your body composition is in, in a good place for your sport. And, but by the end of the season, because it's so intense, because you know, you're competing hard, you're training hard, you're doing all those kind of things, by the end of your season, you might be like, man, I've actually lost muscle. I'm actually weaker. You know, my body composition is worse you know, by virtue of having less muscle. You know? Even if your body fat, you know, maybe you even drop body fat, you just couldn't get enough calories in because you're just training so much so hard whatever you know like that's a position that people are in as well so you could then spend your off season effectively we'll call it bulking where you know you're trying to actually get stronger you're trying to actively get bigger you know and you're trying to actively you know put yourself in a position so that when you come back in september or whenever the, the season starts again you're bigger stronger and ideally leaner but you don't really care because again you're maybe your position you know has you at a higher body fat you know so you need to look at this effectively what i'm trying to say is you need to look at your competitive season and look at what you actually need to do with your body composition and then use the time off that you have to actually work towards that you know and it doesn't always need to be about like fat loss you know that's just one of many goals anyway gary say something because i've just been rattling on for hours Yep, I'm with you. If you play a sport, you should consider how your body composition plays in with that. And that is not always weight loss. It can be absolutely uh, weight gain. And that's particularly the case for, uh, for example, a lot of young rugby players when they're coming up in their teens. Some of the things the coaches might pull them aside at times and say, look, you're a good player, but a lot of the guys have gone through puberty a little faster. I think it's time that you need to you know, start gaining some weight if you want to you know, keep things up. And no, I'm not, we're not advising... Uh, adolescent populations here most of you are probably in your 20s maybe 30s um look you're just not you're, you don't have enough weight you know you you literally just need to increase your body weight to be able to keep on moving the needle 
Um, so that could be a, a concern for you. And another thing that I wanted to add in here is that like the importance of, of nutrition in general is something that you could actually debate as well. Because I think a lot of people think that they're just going to modify their nutrition and that's going to fix all their sporting problems. And that's absolutely not the case. You know, nutrition is only going to take you so far. And in general, it's probably going to be more important or the specifics are going to be more important where you're more, where the limiting factors are more so energy system related versus skill related, for example. So if you're kickouts are terrible if you're dribbling with the ball is terrible um if your solo game is weak if you're shit at uh your side control or being under side control in jiu-jitsu or whatever these things are these specific skills and specific sports nutrition will not fix that okay so that's something that's really important to be aware of because i have come across people particularly people who maybe they're personal trainers themselves and they're used to seeing the importance of nutrition in other goals when they play sport, they think that nutrition is going to move the needle way more than it actually is. And like, there's so many outliers and obviously like they, they don't, they don't necessarily inform you on the rule. But for example, Courtney Dualter, 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 I don't know how to pronounce her name, but she's an ultra marathon runner. She runs, um, she ran the Moab 240, it's 240 mile rail race, um, in the States. And on Joe Rogan, you know, she was talking about her, her nutrition and Joe was like, you know, so how's your nutrition? And she's just like, yeah, I, I eat uh, nachos and beer, and uh, <laughs> she just, you know, she just eats literally just the standard American diet. And an unbelievable athlete, and that's absolutely not to say that that is because of her nutrition or that she couldn't do better if she improved her nutrition, but rather just to say that don't try to fix non-nutrition problems with nutrition solutions. Okay, um, yeah, you see this just on top of that. You see this in like the the general population as well in terms of you know they'll be doing their sport. Like say, like we do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So we'll be doing our Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And you might see, you might be talking to someone, they might know that, you know, we coach individuals and whatever. And they might ask you for your opinion on something. And they're like, oh, well, you know, I find my energy isn't great uh, during a role or whatever, you know? And they're like, oh, what food can I eat to overcome that? You know, what can I eat before training to overcome that? And quite often the, the issue isn't, necessarily that they're not perfectly timing their nutrition they're not getting the exact amount of carbohydrates that they need in at a certain time quite often the the issue is that they're just not fit enough you know they're not putting any time in doing specific cardiovascular work they're not putting any time in doing aerobic work anaerobic work you know they're, they're just not training the right systems and that presents itself then as you know oh i feel like i don't have energy when i'm doing this sport you know, and this, obviously we're just, I'm just talking about from a Brazilian jiu-jitsu context, you know, people will say that while they're rolling for like the five minutes, they're like, oh, by the time I get to, you know, three minutes, the, the gas tank is empty. And you're like, yeah, cause you're just not aerobically fit. You know, you have a resting heart rate of 70. It's like, how did you think you were going to be aerobically fit enough to do this? You know, there's no nutritional paradigm that I can give you that's going to fix that. But you also see this in, you know, uh, field sports, you know, where they're like, oh, I'm great the first half, but by the time it comes to half time, you know, like uh, my energy is just gone. And it's like, like, there's no, like, yeah, okay, cool. We could try, give you a few extra calories and hopefully see if that fixes things. You know, maybe it is just a purely energy is limited factor, but realistically, if you're burning through all of your energy in 45 minutes, you know, I'm going to presume that you are, you know, quite ridiculously lean, <laughs> you know? Um, 
like it's, it's just not the case that you're going to burn through everything like yeah you do definitely deplete quite a lot over a 45 minute you know field session or whatever but that it's i'm not going to say that that's going to be generally the limiting factor for most people the limiting factor is they're just not fit enough for the sporting activity that they're trying to do you know when you ask like it's actually quite strange because you'll ask like people that say this like they're like oh over the 90 minutes i'm i'm fucked you know i just can't do it or the 70 minutes or the 80 minutes or whatever their sport is like by the end of it i'm just fucked and, I'm, and you ask them it's like well how many you know 80 minute aerobic cardio sessions do you do per week or have you done in the last year and they're like oh none i always do like a you know two minute sprints or 30 second sprints and all that kind of stuff and it's like how did you expect like like how how do you think that you're going to be good at 90 minutes if you've never actually trained to 90 minutes? You only ever do that once a week, you know? Yeah, and I think that is that that is really important for people to grasp because like I just think I think like nutrition nutrition is something that is sexy and a lot of athletes think that it's going to be their solution. But like I mean if you if you if any if if any of you know like high level athletes um, or a group of high level athletes, or, you know, you know, have you ever hung around with the team or been on a pretty high level team? Like they don't take their nutrition as seriously a lot of the time. Okay. That's not always the case. Of course, they don't take their nutrition as seriously as probably most of the general population gym goers who are <laughs> trying to improve their body composition. Like that's the funny thing is that like, you'll have someone like, like us even, or people maybe some of our clients who are just trying to improve their body composition and improve their health a bit. And they probably take their nutrition more seriously than people who are playing rugby for Ireland, you know? Um, so it is important to kind of grasp that. Cause I think if you haven't been exposed to that, you can think that there are all of these specifics that are, that are being looked after. Whereas it really does come back to kind of pretty basic principles in terms of, right, your calories need to be appropriate for your goals. Your overall energy intake is really important. So if you're within a given season, you're in the competitive season, you're trying to be prepared for a game, um, then you need to at least be in a, a you energetic state. You need to at least be at maintenance. Um, and sometimes people will have a, you know, a higher carbohydrate day um, or two days even in the lead up to a game so that their glycogen stores are full and things like that. Um, but really, it is just about fueling. It's about fueling um, for the work that is being done. And that's one of the things that comes into some of the more specific considerations is fueling for the work being done. So if you are an athlete, you might have some really hard sessions, some skill-based sessions, and some rest days. And if you're kind of thinking from a nutrition perspective, you're thinking, okay, what is sports nutrition? Okay, sports nutrition is all about high carbohydrates. That doesn't mean that you need to have really, really high carbohydrate diet every single day. It could mean that your uh, portion of porridge, you actually double it um, in the two days leading up to a game or in the day leading up to a game. Or what you do is on your really hard training sessions, you have an extra banana and some more honey on your porridge and you double your portion of potatoes on those really high 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 volume training days whereas on your skill focused days you actually just kind of have you know eggs and a bit of toast for breakfast it's more like a protein and fat based breakfast lower carbohydrate because you're just thinking about right i'm fueling for the work that's being done as opposed to trying to think that sports nutrition is one thing um, and that that's something that does kind of vary a lot between different sports as well so any sport where you have you know really really high energy demands you're going to be relying on carbohydrates, okay? You're going to need to, to have a high, high levels of muscle glycogen and high levels of, of carbohydrate intake. And that can also involve things like intra 
uh, workout nutrition or intra training nutrition. So for example, um, one of the things that some athletes will do, um, some of the things that I in advise to my more endurance based clients who are, you know, running long distance and things like that is, uh, some sort of carbohydrate based drink during the session. Um, and again, even at that, things can get quite specific. Okay. So if you were just doing some weight training for an hour, do I need you to have carbohydrates during that workout? Probably not. You know, it may have some minor, very minor effects, but it's not really going to move the needle. However, if you apply that to someone who's um, on the bike or running for two, three, four hours, that really does start to move the needle. And it's then when you start to have to think about more of the specifics. So like, like how do we actually get more carbohydrates on, on board for this person? Um, so for example, a carbohydrate-based drink, generally you're going to advise somewhere around kind of 60 grams per hour, maybe up to 70, depending on the carbohydrate solution itself. So if you have a mixed glucose and fructose solution, you're generally able to uptake more carbohydrates than you would be able to purely because of the receptors that are available in the gut. You saturate one of them with just glucose and then fructose can be uptaken um, through the other. So things can get quite specific. And I'm only bringing that up just because if you are an endurance athlete, and like this, there's more specific considerations, um, then intra-workout nutrition is something that's important for you. Whereas if you're a GA player, um, maybe you have an hour session on the pitch, 30 minutes of it is just kind of skill-based stuff, and 30 minutes of it is, is, is more kind of sprints and stuff like that, agility stuff. Um, intra-workout nutrition is not as important for you. So what I would say to any athlete or anyone who's starting to think about sports nutrition, start off with the basics. So start off thinking about, you know, all right, do, is there something I need to change up my body composition? If there's not, then you're thinking purely in terms of performance. So what is actually going to contribute to performance? And that is when we start to get into things like, okay, how, how much protein do you need? Okay, if you're, a, if you're someone who's engaging in strength or resistance training or your sport is strength or resistance related, so for example, um, rugby, for example, right? You're probably doing a lot of strength training and there's resistance built into to your sessions anyway. Um, protein is probably more of a priority for you than it would be for someone who's purely an endurance athlete. So this, this is also where I look at the research and I'm like, it's hard to really tell with this purely by virtue of the fact that, you know, calories can become limiting. And for an endurance athlete, you might start eating into a bit of muscle, which might actually be your goal. Like maybe you do need to lose some muscle. That's perfectly fine, especially in your upper body. Like Lance Armstrong used to not carry in the fucking shopping from the car because he thought it would build too much of his upper body, you know? So that's definitely a consideration. However, the highest amino acid oxidation has been seen in endurance athletes, like those that do yeah. cardiovascular work. So you do have to, I just want to say that, not to say that you're wrong, Gary, but just because every time someone says, you know, protein is of less, uh, less importance for endurance athletes, you then have endurance athletes going, oh yeah, I eat like 50 grams of protein per day and it's all just carbohydrates, you know? So if you are an endurance athlete, you know, protein is still important. You still have to, you know, repair muscle and also it is more protein, protein is more important than just, you know, the muscular level. Like your body is made of proteins, but I also have a, a higher protein bias. So that's me. Yeah. Like if you want to actually get like my thoughts fleshed out on this, you got to, the applied energy systems part three, I think it's part three or part two or something endurance training implications. Cause I've, I've written there about that in terms of like the actual, right? Like how, how much protein do endurance athletes need? Why do they need it? There's some graphics there and um, that might be useful for you. But in that, I basically make that case that endure, like protein is more important for endurance athletes than they typically think. And then people often discuss, however, probably still not 
you're not going to move the needle forward with more protein um, mm. versus someone who is a more strength or power-based athlete. They're going to be able to move the needle forward more by, by pushing protein up. But that's not to say that they shouldn't, endurance athletes shouldn't still be trying to improve their protein intake because I think a lot could benefit from it. So like that's one of those cases where you do have a kind of a, a, a spectrum in terms of how important is that macronutrient and the same thing can then be said for um, carbohydrates so if so like obviously carbohydrates are going to be basically following your energy consumption so i mean the overall amount of energy that you're burning so if you're an endurance athlete training doing four hour sessions sometimes you know and that's not uncommon especially if you're doing like ultra marathons for example or you're a cyclist um, if you're doing four hour sessions then you're going to need a lot of calories because you're going to be burning a lot of energy. And that's mainly going to be followed up with carbohydrate intake. So it's not uncommon to see like intakes of five, six, seven, eight hundred, a thousand grams per day um, in high level endurance athletes. So that is going to be the case at times. So that's where fueling for the work, work required um, does come into things. Uh, so, so, so yeah, that's, that's basically following your energy intake. And then the other thing with that is that there is a, a peri-workout um, consideration. So, you know, one of the things we talk about when we're talking about general resistance training is that like your meal composition around your workouts, it, it kind of matters, but it, it's sometimes not as important maybe as some people discuss. So for example, pre-workout, um, if you're, if you're just doing a strength-based session, like you're not burning that much energy. So, I mean, if you happen to miss your pre-workout meal one day, it's probably not going to make that much of a difference, you know? But if you're talking about sports that are really going to be burning up a lot of energy, you know, you need to be able to produce energy rapidly and you need to be able to do it repeatedly, then your pre-workout meal is quite important. So getting carbohydrates in that one to three hour period pre-workout, um, along with some protein, like that's a, a pretty high priority and something I would say would be advisable um, for most athletes, absolutely. And then in terms of the post-workout nutrition, so as I already said, the intra-workout nutrition, that's basically going to follow the duration of your sessions to some degree. In general, if it's over an hour, especially if you're going north of two hours, you could probably benefit for some, from some intra-workout nutrition. I think that's a pretty sound recommendation. When we get to the post-workout nutrition, one of the things you may have heard if you're coming at this from a personal training training or body composition or bodybuilding perspective is that, you know, our perspective on post-workout nutrition has probably adjusted in the last decade in that most quote unquote bro science, um, would suggest that, you know, all right, you need to slam your, your, your meals right after your workout, especially your protein intake. And, and to be honest, like, I'm not like, while, while it's kind of funny to mock that at times, I'm like, yeah, you're kind of still mostly correct. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not wrong. Like, it's not wrong to say that, um, protein, after the workout is more valuable than protein three, four, five, six hours after the workout. Um, there are differences in how that is assimilated um, and used within the body. And the same thing can be said for carbohydrates. So, you know, the bros who are slamming their carbohydrates post-workout, it's like, yeah, it's probably not that important for what you're doing, especially if you're doing like a leg day on a Monday or next leg day is Friday. You don't need rapid glycogen replenishment. However, in a sporting context, that can actually be really important because it's not uncommon for me to have clients who are, they have a GA session at 7 PM and then the next morning they're actually going to go in and do their strength session um, that I have planned for them. So they'll go in and do that on the, the Tuesday morning, let's say. So they may have only 12 hours or even less between 
their uh, their session on the pitch and their strength-based session. So we actually do need more rapid glycogen replenishment in that context. It actually is more important. Um, so there's not a kind of a one-to-one here between resistance training and between like formal sports. So in any case, where you would have if you basically have another session that's working similar muscle groups within 24 hours, um, I would be saying, yeah, your, your post-workout nutrition is actually more important um, than, than if someone was just training for body composition. So in that case, getting in more carbohydrates after your workout is going to allow muscle glycogen to be replenished. That's your muscle carbohydrate stores a little bit quicker so that when you do get into that next session, you actually have a higher baseline level of muscle glycogen and, mu- and fuel available so that you can perform higher in that session. So overall, what you can see here is that there are some additional considerations. It's not the same as just body composition or resistance training based nutrition. However, do cover those bases first. So ask yourself, right, what, is there a body composition goal here? Do I have my baseline macronutrients in order? Do I know what foods are going to give me these macronutrients? Like That's important too. And then you can start to get into more and more of the specifics in line with your sport because you can like, it's, it's not to say that like, even though I said, look, nutrition doesn't move the needle forward that much or as much as some people might think it can move the needle forward, especially at the elite level. So at the elite level or at the very high levels or someone who just really has their nutrition in order, you can get into far more specific things like carbohydrate periodization, even where periods of potentially low glycogen or low carbohydrate availability can enhance adaptations, especially specific to, to endurance. So you do have different things related to that before, before you get there, cover the basics, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's kind it of applies to everything. It's kind of this like a inverted U, I suppose, like a, a mountain, like it's like down the bottom, like if you're just, you know, literally never exercised before, never done anything before, you know, nutrition is probably going to make a huge dramatic change because you get your nutrition locked in, you get your calories locked in, you get all that kind of stuff locked in. And all of a sudden you're like, and I actually feel energetic. I don't feel sluggish throughout the day. I don't feel like whatever. But then for the majority of people, they're just kind of in this like, yeah, I could change my nutrition and it maybe gives me this like one quarter percent increase in performance or whatever, or like not necessarily performance, but body composition or whatever. You know, it's like, oh, like this, it's it's grand. And then like the the, the rest of the population where it's like, oh yeah, everything, like you make these little tiny changes, you start noticing that little, half a percent oh that added up you know oh the half a percent added up you know so that at the very elite level it's like yeah that it makes a lot of sense to really focus on the minutiae but for the majority of people it's like like it's not going to make a huge difference however i do want to also caveat that because i know people listen to that and go all right then i don't need to focus on my nutrition it's (laughs) not important whatever fuck i want right like this is obviously going against the assumption that you are eating a calorie appropriate diet overall like if you are not eating a calorie appropriate diet you know you're always going to be either you know overweight or underweight or you know you're not going to be at the correct weight or performance energy level whatever the fuck it is for your sport you know so this is all caveated with the fact that you do have some basic principles in place you know like as guy was saying if you don't have those principles in place then like it's kind of irrelevant, you know, same with the protein. Like you might have never eaten enough protein in your life, you know, and you might be an endurance athlete, you might be a strength and power athlete, whatever the fuck, I don't care what sport you play, you know? And then all of a sudden you start eating enough protein and you're like, man, my recovery has gone through the roof. My performance has gone through the roof. My body composition has improved. Everything has gone magnificent now, you know? And I can kind of leave you thinking that nutrition is this panacea of 
performance and body composition and health and all that kind of stuff. And that's not to say that it isn't, but you know, you can be left feeling that it is way more important than it is because you made one little tweak and fixed a, a major limiting factor. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, that performance increase from that was phenomenal, you know? And so that's why you do often see people, you know, preaching such a, you know, whatever diet paradigm worked for them, you know, it, it, whatever they brought in, it fixed the limiting factor for them and they noticed a, a huge increase. However, if you just got the basic principles in place, you were eating sufficient calories, you were eating sufficient protein, and maybe we could argue, you know, you were eating the right kind of either carbs or fats, you know, the right ratio even for your sport. Although like at the end of the day, for most individuals, especially if you're not training like multiple times per day, like it's a little bit less important, you know, um, although I still probably would prioritize carbohydrates for most sports. Um, but once you're getting enough of those, then you're kind of like in a position where you're going to have to make like minor tweaks to that to potentially move the needle a little bit forward, you know? And again, it's probably not going to relate or result in these huge improvements. However, I don't want people to get the thought process where it's like, ah, well, it just doesn't matter then. I'll just hit my calories, hit my protein, and we're good to go. You should still be focusing on your nutrition. You still should set it up in a way that supports your goals, you know? And that can go down to even like food selection uh, just in general, you know? Um, like for example, like you might notice that some foods leave you feeling a little bit more inflamed, leave you feeling a little bit more groggy. Now, I know, I know that's kind of a, a bit of a pseudoscientific type deal where people are like, oh, inflammation and the foods you eat. Uh, but it does, it does occur. You know, there's some, some foods just sit better with you. You know, some foods just result in you feeling a little bit more energized, a little bit more uh, on top of your game, you know, and that we could get into like all the, the biochemistry of this or, the, or I should say the rather the possible biochemistry of this. Um, and this is especially true with certain foods. Like people are like, oh, I'm gluten intolerant or I have non-celiac gluten sensitivity and like different things like that. And like, obviously if you are actually celiac, then it's like, all right, well, we know there's a certain food that you eat. You, you have a shit time, literally, you know? Um, so that, that's obviously the case. But we do know that some people, even if it is psychosomatic or whatever, you know, we notice that people eat these foods and they don't feel on top of their game. That's fine. You don't have to eat any types of foods if you don't want to, or if you notice that they result in a performance decrease for you as an individual, you know, like you can have a bias towards, you know, we'll call it a paleo style diet or whatever the fuck you want. Like that's perfectly fine. But everyone should be eating a diet that makes them feel good. You know, like for example, I've been talking to a good few clients and, you know, right now, because we're obviously in lockdown or sitting at home or whatever, you know, maybe they're reaching for, they're still hitting their calories. They're still hitting their macros, but they're really reaching for foods that they generally wouldn't eat. You know, maybe they're having a little bit more, you know, uh, I know boxes of chocolates are around and they're, they're having a handful of those still hitting their calories, still hitting their macros, still hitting everything, but they're having a little bit more of these extra foods that they generally wouldn't eat. And they're noticing that their energy isn't great throughout the day, you know, because obviously they're, they're eating a little bit like a snack through the day, which they don't normally eat. And then also, you know, they're eating foods that they, they generally don't eat. They maybe notice their digestion is a little bit off. It's not like normally, you know, it runs pretty efficiently and maybe they've displaced some, I don't know, fiber or something in their diet or whatever, whatever's happening. They're noticing they're eating these foods that they don't normally eat and their performance, their health, their well-being day to day isn't as on top of it like what it normally is, you know? So again, there are certain foods 
at certain times that are just not going to sit well with you. And that's perfectly fine. If you are an athlete and you're looking to get every single last minutia of performance gains that you can, then obviously, you know, you wouldn't eat those foods. You just, that that's just common sense, you know? Um, and I know we just went off on a, a little bit of a tangent there, but I just want to just to somewhat wrap this up um, is to say that, you know, if you are in season, you know, your, your goal is probably going to be more so performance-based. You know, as I was saying earlier on, you have those three goals of, you know, health, body composition, performance, you know. But if you're in season, that's probably not the best time to be working on a body composition goal, you know. Like, yeah, you could probably focus on it peripherally, but your main focus, if, again, the sport is your actual goal, because that's what we're presuming here. We're not, like, obviously, again, like, goes back to the very start we're talking about goal setting you know we have to presume that sport is your your number one goal you know if it is you are probably going to always try to prioritize sporting performance you know and that's both you know at training sessions and then obviously your, your game your competitive games you know um so during the season that's probably not the best time to be focusing on rapidly improving your body composition you know, like, yeah, you might have it as a peripheral goal. And I'm saying like, as a general generic thing, be like, right, half the, the weight loss, or maybe even half the, the weight gain or whatever across a, a generic, you know, season, um, a generic life you know, of a, a sporting athlete, you know, aim for half the body composition changes that the gen pop would aim for. Um, but if, if you are genuinely just interested in improving your sporting performance then that should be your goal and that's generally going to translate into eating at a calorie maintenance level or potentially even at a slight surplus because again think of it just purely from an energetics point of view like would you rather have a full tank of gas for your sport or would you rather have a slightly empty tank of gas you know and that's purely just from a calorie perspective. You know, if you're not giving yourself enough calories, then, you know, you're going to have to get those calories from somewhere, you know, and that is going to be body fat. So you can still get away with it. It's not like your body, like you, you just have no energy. You're just gone, you know? However, your body fat or your body is a little bit resistant to tapping into body fat stores. Like that's not its preferred method. It'd rather keep those for, you know, the just in case scenarios, you know? So you probably will notice some, energy level decrements you know you will probably notice you are eating in a, in a calorie deficit even if it is a small calorie deficit like say you just literally do 200 calories you're just like i'm going to drop off 200 calories i'm going to slowly improve my body composition keep everything else the same my general activity is the same my general sporting stuff commitments are the same my general gym training is the same everything else is standardized and you just drop off 200 calories you're probably going to notice a little bit of a decline in energy you know and that's fine if you are just a gen gen pop person you're like oh yeah i notice i get a little bit more tired around three o'clock now you know but it's gone fine it's grand after you know 15 minutes you know like they don't really care you know whereas if you're a sporting athlete you're like oh yeah i'm trying to train in the morning and then train again in the evening and you know try and do my job on top of that it's like and like a, a de decrement in energy is you know kind of a make or break event for you potentially you know so you have to be a little bit more aware of that you know um so if you are in season then i probably just wouldn't focus too much on body composition apart from maintaining it or potentially you know supporting uh, a slow move towards whatever way it is that you need to go whether you need to 
gain some weight or whether it is you need to lose some weight you know like it should be a a slower process overall even if it like it should it should basically be a peripheral goal if you are in season you know but obviously this depends on the sport as well you know like you're in season you might be a uh, a combat athlete and you're in season is again like are you saying at the start you know the 12 weeks the eight weeks run up to a fight and that's when your sole focus is on like i need to get as fit as possible I need to get as skillful as possible and I need to get as shredded as possible, you know? And again, like that's somewhat uh, opposite to how most other sports would be, you know? Um, And again, you can argue the merits of that or lack of merits of it. Again, until the cows come home, it's still the general practice in those sports, you know? Um, So we do have to keep all that in mind. So effectively, I just want to kind of wrap that up. I'm sure Gary has a, maybe a few more things to say, but just kind of wrap that up. Like your, your goal should be uh, planned in relation to what else you have going on with your sport, you know? And effectively, the best time to change your body composition is going to be when you have time away from your sport. And the best time to focus on, you know, maintaining the performance you have is during the season. And Obviously, if you can improve your performance in the off season, that's even fucking better. You know, you literally get stronger, get fitter, whatever else. And again, that might be the goal that you have to aim towards. Um, and there is nutritional paradigms to support all of those goals, you know? So effectively, the start of this podcast is the most important part of this podcast. And that is effective goal setting because... If you have all these scattered goals, like if you listen to this podcast, you can already see it's kind of all over the place because we're like, mm, but in this situation, maybe this, but in this situation, maybe this, but also maybe this, you know, like there's so many caveats, there's so many different populations, there's so many different goals, there's so many different possibilities and maybes and oh that gives you this you know half a percent improvement but yeah, that makes a difference at the elite level, but you know for the gen pop, it, it, it doesn't matter, you know, so there's so many things that you could focus your attention on, you know? So you have to sit down with yourself. You are interested in improving your nutrition for sport. You know, you have to sit down and actually do an assessment of where you are. What are your limiting factors in your sport? What are your limiting factors in like your nutrition? And then address those, you know? But as a general catch-all, like nutrition to support performance, nutrition to support sporting performance in particular, it is no different than, to support sporting performance in the gym, you know, like that still is performance. You're still aiming to improve your performance in the gym. Well, at least you should be like, you should be aiming to get stronger week on week, month on month, whatever else, you know? Um, so the same things hold true. You might have to time things a little bit differently because again, like you might have double day sessions or like I was saying, you might have a session ends, you know, at whatever, 10 o'clock at night, and then you have another session at 6 a.m. in the morning in the gym or whatever, you know, so there might be some small considerations around there in terms of timing that, you know, your average guy or girl who trains four days per week just doesn't need to think about. Um, But on the whole, effectively, it boils down to eat enough calories for your goals, eat enough protein for your goals, and then eat enough carbs probably for, you know, sports and fats for your goals. You know, like there's, there's no difference in the overall nutritional foundation you know and it only becomes uh an issue or becomes something you need to focus on when you know specifically what you need to focus on with your training with your diet with your overall approach to your sport you know but if you're just looking at this and you're like i want to set up my nutrition to support my performance in 
GAA or whatever. It's like, eat enough calories, eat enough protein, and you're good to go, you know? Select foods that sit well with you, and you're good to go, you know? And how do you decide how many calories to eat or, you know, what, what is an appropriate level of calories? Well, you sit down and you do an effective goal-setting session. You do an effective, okay, where am I in relation to my goals, in relation to my peers, in relation to the individuals that play the same position as me? Where am I in relation to where I want to be in this sport? You know, maybe again, you know, you want to move up a weight category in powerlifting or, you know, combat sports or whatever. You know, you're like, I, I want to be there eventually. And then you set your nutrition program to accomplish that, you know? So effectively, this is a nice long rambling episode to tell you that there are countless variables that you could focus on and countless things that you could potentially tweak and add and you know maybe work on to improve maybe a small percentage for your uh, nutrition for your sporting performance however it all comes back on and it is all based on a foundation of effective goal setting and then the same nutritional fundamentals that everyone else has to focus on you know and when you've got those two things aligned then it's very easy to get results you know but i know most people are going to listen to this and go yeah i'm just not going to sit down and think about my goals you know like they're just they're just not going to do it they're just going to go listen to this and go yeah he really hammered on about the importance of goal setting but gary said something about you know uh, training low and competing high so i'm going to look into that you know, two receptors or something. I 100% know that that's what someone's going to do from this, you know, like that's like, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind. life, man. (laughs) But if you were honestly interested in improving your nutrition for your sport, then sit down, clear your desk, clear your mind and think of where you are, where you want to be, where your peers, where your sporting peers are and compare where do you compare it to those? Oh, you have higher body fat. Oh, you actually have lower muscle mass, whatever it is. Then you have to come up with a plan of action to close that gap, you know? Um, and then you have to come up with a nutritional paradigm to support that. And then you have to periodize that across the year because there's going to be more or less appropriate times to work on a certain goal than others, you know? And then once you've done that, then you will succeed, you know? Um, but if you skip the goal setting, you skip the effectively, you know, sitting down and looking into these things, then you're just going to be getting haphazard results at best. Yes, sir. So where can people find us, support us, listen to us, etc.? Yeah, so before we get there, just one quick point, right? As I said at the beginning, the goal of this podcast was to kind of set the stage right we are going to have subsequent discussion with some other folks because what we at least want to do is one we want to have an episode that discusses um sports nutrition in the context of field sports so that's one particular thing because that affects a lot of people and then as i said because there's a contrast with combat sports nutrition for combat sports will be another one and we'll also have specific information on weight cutting uh, because as we said that is one area where you know there 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 are a lot of uh, poor practices and 
pretty uniquely to nutrition, weight cutting is one of those areas where you're actually looking at, oh, this is a, can be harmful. You know, there's genuine harm there. So there are there are lots of people with expertise um, in that area. I'll probably get Danny Lennon or maybe Kieran to come on because both of those work work with um, actual combat athletes to to prepare them. So that'd be good crack. But anyway, before we get there, uh, if you'd like to check out more of triage method what we do you can subscribe to the newsletter um, which will be linked below that goes out every um sunday um or monday to be honest the monday ones have been getting more open so i'm not sure but that's corona as well you know so you have to do deeper analysis there but it seems like weakness on your part just not getting it out on the sunday but whatever well let's see last week i did sunday because i was like all right i'm just gonna do it on sunday um but normally i schedule it but anyway uh there you go newsletter will be uh, going out every weekend and you can subscribe to that below that includes recommended resources and exclusive article on a particular topic along with uh, all the content we've posted throughout the week uh, so if you're like look I don't want to go on social media I don't want to have to follow anyone on Instagram Facebook anything what you can do is subscribe to the newsletter and then you'll get anything we've posted on Facebook anything we've any of the articles we've shared along with anything that's gone up on our YouTube channel so that's a catch-all you can also join the triage method community that's been a lot busier lately that's our free open access facebook group um and because a lot of people are off work some people are not and respect to you um but uh, a lot of people are off work so a lot of people are spending a lot more time um thinking reading chatting on the interwebs so the triage Method community has been pretty busy so do get involved there and that's as i said free on facebook you can subscribe to us on other channels slash follow on social media so instagram facebook twitter and highly recommended youtube so if you'd like to watch the podcast episodes if you don't already um or if you'd like to access other videos that we're putting up on youtube because we are putting up videos every week onto the youtube channel and there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of videos already there so do subscribe there um and of course you can access our services one-to-one online coaching we do have spaces available um, as well as group online coaching as main and male and female options available there and then we have our program templates and our beginner's guidebook Highly recommend the beginner's guidebook, especially if you're looking for something to read at the moment to kind of just get up to scratch and all the training nutrition stuff. That's a that's a really good resource that, that you could benefit from. Dead right, Gary. I have nothing else to add. Um, hope everyone is staying safe. I hope this whole debacle is uh, over soon. Because um, I do know, like, obviously, like we talk to our clients at least every week you know i know it's a bit strange but i do actually have friends and uh, family and stuff you know um and everyone it appears is in the position where they're they're kind of feeling a bit down they're feeling a little bit uh caged in um and that yeah that's that's okay um for now but i do know that people are eager to get out and about and i just want to send my support to all the extroverts out there who never get any love it's all about you know all the introverts we have to look out for them in society and that's fair when society is you know free roaming allowed out and about but at the moment society is locked down and all the introverts having a great time they're like yeah i get to stay in my house all day this is great this is what i wanted to do the whole time and then all the extroverts are feeling like caged animals and they're pacing back and forth like tigers you know so it's a fact my uh sympathy goes out to all those individuals um i hope you guys are looking after your mental health at this time because i know no one is talking about it um so just stay safe stay sharp and um, i've nothing else to add 
Um, I hope everyone is well, good, safe, and happy. It's too easy.